we are recording. I guess I should test this before uh, I start recording. I'm here too. <laughs> this is our new spot. So we were having dinner with our friend Libby, and I was at. She was like one of our friends that listens to our podcast, which is always kind of cool. Yeah. And I was like, hey, give me some feedback. But we only had like one minute left. And she was like, well, sometimes I can't hear you because it sounds like you guys are like walking away. And I'm like, oh, yeah. It's because we're looking at each other. Like so this. with this new setup, we're sitting across the table from each other. Yeah. And it's actually kind of nice because I don't have to bend my. Yeah, that was. But hopefully it'll get our faces in the microphone better. Yeah. So I had to build this little table, and I have this like ghetto light behind here, and this camera is stacked on a bunch of firewood. <laughs> uh, but I think it'll be better. I've been in. Ah, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Hang on, that's for later. <laughs> here we go. Whoops! You're listening to the Fight for Together podcast. Someone who was it that said recently? Maybe it was Livy again. She was like. Or I think of some comment. Oh, you guys are working out some kinks. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so this podcast, I don't like to get too meta here, but it's kind of like an experiment in letting go of perfectionism. Because the thing is, I'm at a place in my life right now where I can't, if I made it perfect, like if I reviewed every episode, and edited it down, we just wouldn't do it. I don't have that type of motivation. But I can commit to turning on the microphones for an hour. So I, I'm willing to commit a lot of energy to getting the setup right. But like I can't spend much more time every week like producing it. Yeah, but every time we put one of these podcasts out there, we're going to get better, I think. Yeah. Okay, so... Today, I'm excited about the topic today. It came up for me because Seven is dealing with this eBay stuff. He's listing a bunch of stuff for our family on eBay. And then he, like, bought these fraudulent things, which was supposed to be a surprise for me, he says. Oh, yeah. But, like it was a fake account so he never got the things and they were like 70 bucks mm. so i'm finding myself like going into ebay customer service hell and finally i'm just like like you were helping him figure this stuff out well no i was doing it myself so i was kind of helping him depending on how you want to look at it but i was doing it for him okay and I was really just doing it because I was like, I just want to get this $70 back. Even though it wasn't even my money, seven paid for it. But I was just like, I just, it was like in my mind. Mm -hmm. And finally, I was just like, why am, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. I should be teaching him how to do this. But I could just like get it done in five minutes. Yeah. And to teach him to do it would have been like. Two hours. Maybe. Well, I'm thinking more like 15 minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know much about eBay. It seemed like it would be a two-hour thing for me. No, it was about 15 minutes. Okay. But then he knows how to do it. Yeah. And if it's something he's going to be using in the future, which is probably is going to happen. 
And he really, it's good. he's really good at it. Like he likes it. He, I noticed like we're down here, all this crap of his out, he's like getting all of his stuff out and trying to figure out what he can sell on eBay. That's awesome. <laughs> so he better learn how to deal with customer yeah. service. Mm-hmm. But the rub for me was just like, it was just so much easier to do it myself. Yeah, I've definitely had those moments every day. So this brought up this whole topic which came up on the trail when we were hiking the Appalachian Trail for five months and nine days. <laughs> a lot of people met us for the first time and they said this line. They said, oh my gosh, you guys are the Crawfords. We heard you guys are like a well-oiled machine. And at first we're like, it's kind of like a compliment, I guess. But then I'm like, what do you mean by that? And they're like, well, we just heard like when you guys come into camp, everyone just like goes off and does their little thing and someone goes and sets up the uh tent in fact i remember when um arnold's article came out about our family oh. and it was like describing the kids seven setting up the tent the girls were like they were like rolling their eyes like yeah right that like, happened that once. Ha- <laughs> yeah exactly that happened once or twice but a number of people saw this they saw our family roll into camp and they saw our family like kind of splitting up and doing all these jobs and they described us like a will of machine and it made me think oh like i think i guess that's worth talking about it doesn't feel very remarkable to us but i think the mindsets that have changed in us to get to this point maybe are remarkable mm-hmm. i don't know well, for some reason, I don't, I kind of see that as a compliment, but it also feels, I, I feel more like a negative vibe from that uh, because people, like in our culture, kids doing work is considered negative unless they're getting money for it, um, even within a family context. Well, I don't think these people on the trail meant it negatively. No, no. I'm just it's just interesting that I feel that way. Yeah, which I think is something to talk about. Um which is how do we see work? Yeah. Because this was probably the first Well, before we get there, I wanna just paint the scene of what rolling into camp looked like for our family. Which yeah. is a bit of time traveling because that was a number of months ago now and it feels like a different world. Yeah. So let's go back in time, shall we, to the Appalachian Trail. I feel like there should be a sound effect here. <laughs> I'll just pick one. Let's go with this one. Ooh, that sounds That's good. good. <laughs> I got For... lucky on that. For warping. Okay. okay. Um, but... Yeah. So we'd roll into camp, and sometimes Dove and Seven, because they are faster, would go ahead, and they would get a spot for us. A spot for us, and set up the tents. And Dove maybe would start on dinner. And Memory would go and get the water. Mm-hmm. And Eden would set up the inside of the tent. Mm-hmm. And then... Flea and you would sometimes watch Rainier. I would usually set up the inside of our tent. What the hell was I doing? Picking your nose. 
vlogging. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think I did something. Shit, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. But it really was kind of cool to a point where when I saw like a solo hiker, just a dude roll up, and he had to set up his tent and start cooking dinner and get go get water, water. Yeah. Which sometimes the water would be like a quarter mile away. Yeah. I'd feel sorry for the guy because I'm like, you know, our stuff felt pretty automated. Well, and it, the burden was spread out. And people kept on, like, asking us, like, how do you do that? Or I think when they said well-oiled machine, I guess the impression that they had was that we carried all the stuff and we did everything for the kids while the kids sat there and we waited on them. (laughs) 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 No. Yeah. But I think that's what people expect or something. Right. Which now seems crazy to me, but Mm -hmm. enough people just thought that was, like, a really normal thing to wait on your kids yeah yeah um okay so we were we went back in time but we were going to be talking about a philosophy of work and i guess if we try and get into the minds of why people think that or maybe just with me and seven Mm -hmm. i think there's two reasons why i hesitate to give my kids jobs one is i don't think they can do it Or can do it as well as you. Yes. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do a good job of it, maybe ever. Right. Um, And the second is, I think there's something maybe like wrong, like kids should be out there watching TV or kids should be kids and play or not have any responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's tackle both of those things or is there anything else that you can think of like why you wouldn't pass off a job to a kid i think the third reason would be it just takes too long to train or takes too much effort to train someone how to do something okay so we got these three things one is the kid can't do it one is kids should be playing and one is too much effort let's tackle these yeah so the first one, a lot. Of, I think it's about control. Like, uh, I really like how I do something, and I know, and I want it done that way. Um, and I'm running the risk, a pretty high risk, of even if I train you well, you're not going to get it the way I like it. And I think... I think that's just, that's hard to give that up. Okay, I actually think you're talking about a fourth thing now. Oh. At least how I was thinking about it, because where I was going with the first thing of kids can't doing it is like, oh, the kids can't cook dinner because they're they're stupid. They're only 13 or 14. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like thinking. they okay. can't read, they can't, yep. like a kid can't make dinner. But what we oh, learned. Oh, they're, they're incapable. Yes. Yeah. Like they haven't reached a level of where they can they're smart enough or coordinated enough to do this thing which i think is we've learned is like really wrong it's really wrong yeah i mean obviously there's different levels to this like i'm not going to ask rainier to make us dinner but i think i sure as hell could ask my 14 year old son to make us dinner so it's just 
you have to gauge that. But I, I always think in our culture, we, sh- we sh- shoot too low with kids. Like, like we treat them like they're stupid. Yeah. But when you look at how they interact with peers, how they play video games, how they manipulate parents to try and get things, <laughs> yeah. how they fight with each other. They're, they're, they're very intelligent. They're very smart. Yeah. And, like, I wasn't even really planning on getting into this, but it'd be fun kind of to talk about what our current lifestyle looks like and has looked like for the last three years. Mm-hmm. So we have kids um, make meals. How many meals a week do our kids make? There's breakfast and dinner. Seven times three, 21 meals a week. Yeah, not sometimes lunch, but definitely breakfast and dinner. Five days a week? Yeah, six so, days a week. Oh, so six times two, 12. I mean, they're doing like six breakfasts and what, four dinners probably? So like? our kids make meals. They take care of a, quite a bit of child care. They do quite a bit of like cleaning and organization. Um, mm-hmm. I know for me, I was planning on changing all the light bulbs in the house because uh, there was like 10 light bulbs between my house and our parents' house that were out. Mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be cool to do them a favor because we stayed with them for two weekends to change their light bulbs. But then I was like, my first thought was like, oh, I'm the only one that can do this. Because it's kind of a pain. Like, there's three different kinds of light bulbs and you have to get a ladder out and all this crap. But I realized I was just being lazy. It's almost lazier to actually do it yourself than to yeah. teach some. Because memory, teach. I thought I thought memory, she's actually like really, she loves like taking things apart and figuring things out. And... Like, why not teach her how to deal with these kinds of light bulbs Although and give her a project? she really didn't like that. She gave me hell for a while. <laughs> but now she knows how. I, yeah. I think she thought for a while that she couldn't do it either. Yeah. And she got frustrated. Well, I think what we say to kids either literally or just by modeling it, kind of, it almost makes them dumber. Not literally dumber, but, like, it makes them less confident in... I mean, I think parents can instill a ton of confidence in their kids, or they cannot do that. They can do the opposite. But we've learned that kids can do way more than we uh, usually let them. Yep. Um, okay, let's talk about the second thing. Yeah, kids should be kids, and which kids means be playing. They, can, they should just play. And I guess what's funny about this to me is school. school is okay in our culture. Like making a kid study a book or go to school. And sit in a row. And sit in a row in a classroom. For eight for hours a day. Fucking eight hours a day is fine. But as soon as you take them out of that context and make them work or tell them they, they need to work. To do something that's actually applicable and helpful to the family for right. them. Then it's like child abuse. I mean, that's a little extreme. But, you know, it's like you're considered kind of a strict... Uh, asshole of a parent. Which I think is dumb. I think it's... I think it's... I think it's much more torturous to force kids to sit in rows than it is to, like, teach yeah, them Yeah, which our kids won't ever know that, but you and I had to do that. And I'm okay. I mean, I'm, I don't want to be on mean if you send your kids to school. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's I'm just not, like in terms of child just, pain I'm level. I'm comparing it to – it's funny that we think that's okay, but we don't think any other work is okay. Okay, so there's that. Not only that, 
I think that's a great point, though. But I think this, like, this isn't just about getting stuff done. I, I have found that the jobs that we have around our house is the, I think, the single best educational source for kids. Yeah. And I think it's fulfilling for them because they're a part of a unit. They're, they're helping people they're, out. Yeah. They love. They're learning. I mean, it's so funny how you have people that gr- they literally graduate high school and they understand like European history, but they don't know how to cook dinner. Are you talking about me right now? Because <laughs> that could be very applicable. I mean, it wasn't at all. No, no, no. But uh, that was me. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I don't feel ashamed about that, but yeah. that was me, yeah. you know, like, okay, well, I wasn't talking about you, but that's interesting. But isn't that crazy that you can know something about something from 500 years ago? Yeah. It's like how useless, but you actually, right. the number one thing that contributes to your health is buying food, preparing it and eating it yep. like that process, which is hard. There's a lot of steps to it, like knowing how to buy things and figure out what, where the ingredients are and like right. how to navigate a grocery store or, do I buy organic or non-organic? And making those decisions and then preparing it and then, mm-hmm. you know, making it actually taste good and serving it on time. Like, these are important things. And this is not just for women. This is not home ec. Right. I'm not talking about just for our girls. This is like, I need food and I love cooking. Uh, and our boys, I think, are, uh, well, seven, um, can be good at it. Although yeah. he's He's got a little ways to go, but <laughs> His hey, idea that's all right. of dinner is Pop-Tarts. Um, so, you know, when we're actually talking about education, I think the most applicable and therefore some of the easiest things to learn because they're, it's like hands-on learning and hands-on value. It's like changing a light bulb. I mean, you change it, you Mm -hmm. learn it, but then you get to, you get the light right then. Well, and I think like it actually ironically makes playtime all the much richer. Like if you work and you know you do something that's fulfilling hopefully for the family even if you don't like it at the moment but you're learning and then and then you know mom and dad says okay now you're done you can go play but if it was all about play when you're home you know just it wouldn't be as i don't think it would be as as fulfilling so um the third thing is it's too much effort to teach kids. I feel like this is super this easy. Is, this to is huge, though. I think for me, like, I, this is probably the number one reason why I don't, well, somewhere between that and control, wanting control. I mean, I think those last two kind of go together in some ways. But I, this is my number one reason why I don't teach our kids how to do something. It just seems t- like too much effort, too much time. It's not worth it. Okay, so everyone feels this way, right? I mean, I felt I this think way so. today. So, yeah. But am I right in saying that the answer is very simple in that it's worth it because it takes a lot of effort up front. Yeah, you have to think long term. The initial, like, yeah. okay, today I had to spend an extra 10 minutes teaching yeah. someone about eBay. That's going to save me four hours in the course of the next three months. Now, getting in that mindset, I think, is really hard. Yeah. I have to constantly be reminding myself or thinking long term. Right. Or 
be deciding that the goal of the project is not just to get it done. Like I have to be off autopilot. Mm -hmm. my, my top priority is actually teaching children. Secondary goal is to get it done. Yeah. And I think we tend to, I know I tend to want the instant gratification, satisfaction of something done well instead of the long-term satisfaction of seeing my kids doing something well and I don't have to do it anymore, you know? I can do something else with my time. So I want to go back to this um, educational piece because I think there's a lot there. Um, and, like, the first thing that I thought of when you were just saying what you're saying of doing it well is, for me, I had to get over the idea of kids making mistakes. And like, let's just think in the kitchen. Yeah. For whatever reason, I, I'm not entirely sure why, but mm -hmm. it used to just piss me off if the kid that was making a cake, like, spilled the flour. Mm -hmm. Like, everything would go off my head. Like, see, the kid isn't ready yeah. to cook. <laughs> because I don't spill flour, or at least I try not to, and most of the time I don't. Yeah. But I had to get over that and just be like, you know what? It's only flour. Mm -hmm. It's okay to make mistakes. In fact, that's like the point. Like that's okay why the flour is there. There's sponges. It's okay to make messes. In fact, if you teach them to clean up the mess, mm -hmm. the more they clean it up, the less it'll happen. And I just, right. I had to tell myself this, that, you know what? Next time it'll be better. Yeah. Even if it's just like one, you know, they spill a little bit less next I time. I think when my kids were first learning to cook i had to step out of the kitchen like i just knew like i just couldn't handle being in the kitchen and watching them do this i mean assuming they know you know how to do it enough that i can walk away but sometimes i just had to yeah walk away i had to learn like whatever standard i had in my head it was like make believe it wasn't real like that rule that said kids shouldn't flour shouldn't be spilled mm -hmm. says who yeah I mean, that was my thing. Right. Or, like, uh, I don't know, like, one of the seven listed, like, ten things on eBay. One of my fears is that he listed it wrong, and the person's going to return the item, we're going to get negative feedback, and we're going to have to pay for the shipping mm -hmm. and do it over again. Mm -hmm. But, like, that'll cost us, what, $15, mm -hmm. $10? First of all, it might not even happen. But even if it does, it'll cost us $15, take us one hour. But then he learns the lesson. Yeah. And I used, and and what I'm realizing is if you're afraid of making mistakes, you're, you, you're afraid of kids learning. Hmm. I mean, your kids will never learn. It's like. Yeah. Trial well, another error. way to look at it is you can wait till you're 20 and try and learn how to cook. I think that was more how we did it. Yeah. Or because I never washed dishes when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but. You're going to make mistakes at some point. I learned with video editing, like, you're going to hate your first 100 videos, possibly your first 200 videos. So you could never make those 200 videos to say, like, well, I'm not going to make them because I'm going to hate them. Yeah. Or the other way to look at it is to get, them, get it out of the way. And yeah. make your first 200 videos that suck as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. Because maybe you'll like your 200 first, but you, there's no shortcut. Hmm. Yep. So what's... Are we, come on now, are, are we on control? Are we on the fourth? Do we not talk about that? You want to talk about it? Go, well, go for it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's having the control of when this gets done, how it gets done, is definitely a factor that gets in the way of teaching kids things. Which, what I like about you addressing that is if your kids aren't doing things around the house, it's really easy to blame the kids and be like, dang, kids are so hard. Oh, so many mouths to feed. Oh, it's kids. Yeah. Kids suck. They're you so know. lazy. Yeah, and you blame the kids. When really, what's so much better, it sucks at first. It's hard mm-hmm. to say. But if you're like, I can't let go as a parent. Yeah. If you just say those words, it's actually a really empowering thing. Yeah. Because if, if it really is kids, and if kids really do suck, and if you happen to have four of them or five or six or one or two, you're probably not going to get rid of them. So then your life's going <laughs> to suck for the next 18 years. And mm-hmm. I think people approach it that way. Yeah. But if you approach it a different way and say, you know, this is an opportunity, I have a control problem and I can't let go of things. I yeah. can't let my kids load the dishwasher, even though they can, mm-hmm. they're capable. Yeah. Or clean the dishes or change the cat litter. It was so hard for me to see things done wrongly and I put those in quotation marks like not the way I yeah not the way I'd want or yeah not not efficiently or thoroughly done um it's it's frustrating it's frustrating to come back and and be like okay you did not scrub the yolk off of this plate and it's not gonna get clean this dishwasher yep happen again it can feel like demoralizing to have to keep on repeating yourself it's just easier if i just do it myself you know and i have those moments every day where i i think that you know that those thoughts um but i still believe at least somewhat in the long term like this is actually better for them so maybe it's not great for our dishes but this is better for them um i just don't think it's wasted work yeah and okay step back big picture i need my sound effect again where'd it go the warp one yeah do that one if if you think work sucks as an adult and then you tell your kids to work they're gonna think that work sucks i don't think there's any way around that yeah and we went through this shift a while ago where mm-hmm. we saw all work or education as just a means to an end. Yep. You go to school. Why do you go to school? So you can learn so that you can get good grades. Why do you get grades? So you get into the next school. So you do the next school so that you can get into the job. And then you get into yep. the job and you do good so that you work get into the bigger job. Work was just a hoop to jump through. Everything was a hoop. Yes. And everything, it all sucks. And everyone's... Ju- going through the suckiness to try and get to some ubiquitous glory phase sometime in the future called retirement or whatever. So we had to, there was a book that was highly influential for me called Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller, where he talks about work being the original mandate that God gave us. So if you believe the biblical narrative, God himself was a worker. Like in the, the, the creation story, it's kind of weird, but God worked and he rested on the seventh day. This is all like before the shit hit the fan and things got nasty and bad. And then he made us to work. And when we work, we understand God better. Mm -hmm. So 
he defines work as filling, forming, and subduing the earth. So there's a lot of fancy words there, but organizing, creating, making things beautiful. There's a lot that is in that. And, mm-hmm. and I think work has a bad rap in our culture where work is something you do for money. So we've worked really hard to try and separate work from money in our kids' minds. So we don't pay our kids for chores. We give them money, but not for work. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you pay them to work now, essentially you're te- teaching them that work is not um, good enough to do just in and of itself. And yeah. the reason why you work is to get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. So if you don't get a paycheck, why would you work? Right. And the best work I've done in the last five or 10 years has not been for a paycheck. I mean, I'm not getting paid for this thing, <laughs> but I like it. Me neither. You know? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's a thing too where a lot of the home culture can just be work can actually be given as a like you're grounded like go do the dishes or work as a punishment and yeah and we don't do that either like yeah. to me that's really important that if you assign work work is a gift and it's an educational tool like it's like oh you are bad you don't send your kids to school because yeah. they're bad hmm. you send it to them because you believe it's better for them uh-huh. i guess yeah um we didn't have our kids do the Appalachian Trail as a punishment, even though sometimes they probably <laughs> felt that way. Most oh, crap, of the time. I need to reset this counter thing. The camera only records up to 30 minutes at a time. Um, so, okay, so that's a big one mm-hmm. is however you deal with work uh, will, or your viewpoint of work, I think, will transfer to your kids. And I guess the final kind of there's two lines that were helpful for me as I I think about this day in, day out. Mm-hmm. One is just something I heard my cousin say, and she was quoting someone else, Heidi. She said, you do what you can do, so I do what I can do. Mm. Meaning, parents, I can wash the dishes, mm-hmm. but let's say i'm sitting and having a conversation with dove talking about the future of her photography Mm -hmm. that flea can't do but flea can wash the dishes so you know a lot of times kids will be like why do i have to do that and it's like well that's the stage of learning that you're at right and you know when you learn to wash the dishes then you learn to cook the food and then you learn to and it's not even lower like no that's the interesting thing i think in our culture, we believe certain kinds of work is lower. Yeah, it's like whatever the shitty job that gets paid the least. Um, but so I think that's that's actually distinct from saying that's just where that's the stage you're at. Because it can be seen as a gift. Like, oh, if you learn how to do this, then you get to learn how to do something else too. So the rule that I walked away with thinking is very simply this if they can they should the second the kid can do something if i'm doing it for them as a parent i feel like i'm robbing them of the lessons that they will learn from doing the job and sometimes it's specific like washing dishes you learn how to organize things and to get things clean or maybe it's a little bit more meta like perseverance or hard work or sticking Mm -hmm. with things i don't think one's more important than the other but they all piggyback so that's the way that I ask myself, like with with this eBay thing today, it was like, if Seven can, he should. And I was like, dang it, he can. Uh. So I should 
try and teach him. Yeah. Otherwise, there's a good chance, I think, you're believing one of these four lies, can we call them that? Or, you know, that kids can't do it, or that kids should be playing, or that it's too much effort, or that it's better if I control the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? Mm. I think being able to pass things off to your kids I mean it does take time to train them but eventually it actually frees you up to do what you can do but you never really see that you know if I'm just thinking oh if I was making all the meals or if I was washing all the dishes I wouldn't actually be able to be present in ways that I am now and when the kids were small, like, I, I, we did all that, you know. Yeah, now but, I would never go back. That's what's kind of weird about bringing it full circle. When people say, you guys are a well-oiled machine, I'm like, what, you think we're going to, like, set up camp by ourselves and just, like, let our kids sit there? I think that would have been really unsatisfactory for everyone. Yeah, it would be weird. All right. It is time. <laughs> To go to the phones. We actually got some calls today, wow. which is really special. Hi, Ben and Cammie. Uh, my husband and I are about to start a family. We are 24 and 25. And my question today is, what would you go back and tell yourself before you had kids? Or what would you tell your 25-year-old self? I'm not sure when you guys started your family. Uh, but yeah, that's my question. Thanks. Thing. <laughs> that's not hard. we were 20 <laughs> 25 what would I tell myself um wow um the first thing that comes to me is don't rush the stages of your kids you may feel like one stage is just taking too long and it's too hard and I just want to get done with it but each stage is really precious and really cool and will be gone before you know it. So if, as much as you can, if you can be present in that stage with your kid and not try to rush them, I think, I think that'll, I think you'll be happy that you did that. Man, I do not know what to <laughs> say to this. Uh, because I don't think my 25-year-old self would listen to I know. myself now. But kudos to you to ask this question because I don't think I would have asked this question back then. Yeah. Um, you know, I wish as a younger parent, I think that's what your question is addressing as parenting, I cared less about the social pressures of what people were thinking of how I was raising my kid. Mm. That's good. Like, if the kid cries in a grocery store, I would, like, kind of try and quiet the kid because I was worried about what people thought. Mm. And really, I wish I was just able to enjoy and comfort my kid instead of try and quiet them to make everyone else around me happy. That really doesn't matter to me. Because the relationship 
between you and your kid is way more important than some strangers, you know. Yeah. Hey, Ben and Kimmy, I'd love to hear you guys talk about church. Um, I'm not sure where you're at in regards to attending a church on a regular basis at this point in your lives, period. I kind of get the impression that you're maybe not really doing that, and our family isn't really either. We are technically still a part of a local church, but uh, we just don't make it there very often. We are really busy, and Sunday kind of tends to be the only day that we can really kind of chill out as a family and have some quality time together. So that's taking priority at this time in our lives. However, as a life, lifetime churchgoer, um, this still feels a little strange, and it is hard to have community um, outside of church in some ways. So I'd love to hear you guys discuss this. Thanks so much. Do you know who that mm -hmm. is? Mm -mm. That's Nicole Mashey. I think oh, hey, Nicole. From Franklin. Wow. Man, that's a good question. She gets um, the impression we go to, don't go to church. What gives you that impression? Like, yeah. Walk for six months in the woods? <laughs> Didn't go to church. But either. I don't know if we've ever come out and really said talked about it i don't know um we do not go to church the last time i went to church was three years ago and by the way i didn't even consider it church i considered it a show we told our kids we're going to the show and that was for about two or three years we went to a show it's a mega church yeah and they do like an inspirational talk and have some fun music and lights and stuff and free coffee, mm -hmm. but they stopped serving half and half with the coffee, and that was when we knew that was the straw was that broke that the hell out. Back. Um, uh, I sweetie, we're partially joking. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I do, I do think you know. I, I was just talking to someone the other day, and I just told them straight face, yeah, we don't go to church. And it was the first time I realized I'm not ashamed to say that. Like, I think for so long, I felt like embarrassment or shame around saying that. Um, but uh, in a lot of ways, I, I don't know how far to get into this, but we feel like a lot of churches are kind of just like clubs, Christian clubs. <laughs> Um, I would be more ashamed at this point to say I'd go to a church <laughs> than not. It wouldn't be honest with what we believe um, at the moment. But to your community part, I do think that's hard. Um, we have found it difficult when you're used to finding your community in a church. Or any place that you grew up going to. Yeah. Then to step outside of that is a new territory and i don't think it's as easy to find i think you have to like it's a transition it's a transition and it's not like a ready-made community you know with a church it's like mm. here, here here we are you know yeah. we're, we're all have this in common at least i also want to say i think it's really great that you're prioritizing a rest day for your family because how i grew up was sundays was our rest day but there was nothing restful about that day. Like we, I mean, I was a pastor's kid, so we like had to dress, dress up and go to, go to church. And I mean, it was just this long ass day. And anyways, I think, I think it's cool that you're prioritizing that. 
because I think that's important. But well, and I don't want to say like all churches suck. That's not the point of this. But the sense that I have gotten from the churches that we have attended with our current belief system is that there was a lot more that held it together. Like Cammy said, she called it a club, but it was like much more of a Christian culture. Mm-hmm. That was not really what Jesus taught or what the Bible was teaching, which those things were are still actually important to us. And we were not, we weren't able to attend those groups while still separating those things because what Jesus said started to become really important to us and always was, but yet being a part of this subculture became not only less important to us, it actually started to feel kind of toxic to us. Mm-hmm. So we found that we had to separate ourselves from the culture, which was unfortunate. We, we didn't really feel like we had that choice to remain healthy and stay in it. But I don't know, but what it was like, I don't know. We we were taught that they were one and the same. That if you follow Jesus, you're attending, yeah, a church and, and a part of the culture. I don't believe you have to be anymore. Um, but I do believe that community is important. So we're doing the best we can with what we got right now. And I will say that um, we've been surprised by what we found, mm-hmm. and that there's other people who are in the same stage we are, but we've only found them once we've had the courage to kind of like call a spade a spade mm-hmm. and yeah yep hi ben and cammy anya from cincinnati here a couple questions for you cammy mentioned that she's reading a book from richard Rohr. i'm a big fan of his sorry ben um so i'm curious if you're you. reading his writing on the enneagram um i've studied that since high school so i'm interested in your thoughts there but uh, if not i'm just interested in general to hear from Cami on what you're learning, which book you're reading and specifically how you're applying it or just what you're learning and find interesting mm-hmm. in general. Please share. And as a side note, this might be, I might be in the minority here, but um, I've listened to all four podcasts, including the one with the video, and I kind of like them better just audio. I feel like I see you guys a lot on the vlog and it's kind of nice just to listen to your voices like as I'm driving without the distraction of a video. So. Food for thought on that one. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Wow, someone's giving me a soapbox to talk about Richard Rohr. Okay, well, hang on. First of all, <laughs> I accept your apology, but you don't need to apologize because I don't have a problem with Richard Rohr. The problem I have is my wife's obsession with Richard Rohr. That's a that's a loaded term, but yeah, um, yeah. Well, I have. It's Dove actually bought. Uh, his Enneagram. Okay, that's a funny Christian story. Christian perspective. Story. Yeah, go for so, it. So we became Richard Rohr fans this last summer. Summer, yeah. And I had heard his name before, but I had never mentioned his name or looked really seriously looked into him. But he, actually, he's from Cincinnati. Maybe you know that. But He is? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the listener, but I'm okay. glad you could. Um. <laughs> But anyway, so we go into this uh, bookstore in Yakima, Washington, when we're there for the summer, and Dove walks into this tiny bookstore, and out of probably 10,000 books that are there, the one she walks out with is a Richard Rohr book. Hmm. On the Enneagram. Yeah. So that was our first introduction of him. And I have read a little bit of that book, um, 
But the book I am currently reading, actually I've already read it, but it's called Things Hidden, uh, Scripture as Spirituality. And I think one of the things that really struck me about Richard Rohr is I, f I felt like he was giving me permission to think outside, uh, outside of the Christian box that I was raised and was used to thinking in and to think outside of the, the box I put God in and that it's okay to have questions, it's okay to have doubts, it's okay to change your beliefs, uh, you don't have to have things figured out. I think that was one of the, one of the main things. And I really like that book too. We are reading it as a group right now with some other folks yep. um, and discussing it on Sunday nights. And that has been really an incredible experience for me. That book has been radical. So we'll post the links to that stuff below. Yeah. Thank you for you guys' questions today. We have to wrap it up because we're out of time and the computer is running out of battery. Um, but we would really appreciate it. Um, this podcast only spreads through word of mouth. So if you guys think of someone who you think would appreciate this type of conversation, if you could uh, consider sharing this with them, we would appreciate it. Also, we do not have any ads or sponsorships at the moment, although I'm thinking of one. I haven't told you about it yet, but I want to tell you later. That's kind of exciting. All right. Um, but we have a way for you to donate if you're interested in that or if you find these things helpful. And those links are below. It's on Patreon. And I think we just signed up for a new one today that you can go directly from the Anchor uh, website or app. And also, we would love it if you would leave a question or comment for future episodes on the Anchor app. And this podcast is available all over on iTunes and Google and Spotify. So as the last Anya, the last question said she said she likes the podcast better than the video but hmm. it's like a fight for together buffet you can choose you can choose yeah you know, if you want to see us on the camera or, or if just, you just hear our beautiful, <laughs> just hear voices. Our beautiful voices and we also have a facebook discussion group i would love to see that uh this discussed further and hear how you guys deal with work at home with your kids and what you guys have learned and what you think of some of these ideas because i'm sure some of these ideas might sound kind of crazy to some of you so I hope you guys check that out. Anything else? No. Just thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Fight for Together. We'll see you next time.